Welcome to Conversations with Buddy, coming to you live from the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. We do drop a podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone. This morning is no different. We want to uh, invite our guest this morning. He's a special guy with a special story. His name is Ron Hagee. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Man, we're glad to have you here, dude. It's it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I know you have a lot to share, and I've got lots of questions for you. I just want to do just a brief introduction of you. I don't I don't think we've ever met in person. I saw you speak, I don't know. Moons ago. Moons ago, 10, 15 years ago, probably. But here's what I know about you. So I stole this off your uh, ronhagey.com Doesn't site. mean it's true. Ah, it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Okay, so you're a father. You have two daughters that are, you said, 22 and almost 18? Almost 18. Almost 18. We'll talk more about them in a moment. You are an inspirational speaker, a mouth painter, and I love your paintings, by the way, so I did some homework and found your paintings, and you brought some today that we'll take a look at. You have a master's degree, and you did it with typing with your teeth. Sticking my teeth, yeah. Sticking your teeth. You're a founder of a special needs camp located in Oregon. Mm -hmm. We'll hear more about that. And then lastly, you're a founder of Life is an Attitude, LLC. You've you've got a lot going on. And so it makes me wonder, what's my excuse, you know, in life? Because I have lots. And then a guy like you, as you're going to learn in the story to our audience, is that Ron is a quadriplegic. But before we get to that story, let's back up a little bit. I want to hear life before the age of 18, because I think that that was a different life than what you've been living since you've been 18. Mm-hmm. Ron, how old are you right now, just to give a reference? I'm pushing uh, 58 hard. Pushing 58 hard. Yeah, even though I just turned 60. <laughs> I yeah, like that. I'm I like holding that. out at 58. It sounds better. Yeah. It's yeah. easier to say 58 for me. Got it. Got but it. I, I generally say I'm only 42. Because that's how long I've been sitting on my hind end, you know, doing nothing. For 42 years. 42. 42. 42 years. Well, let's go back to the very beginning so we can hear maybe a, a prior story. Sure. Your, your testimony really probably has to do with more of when you broke your neck. But tell us about life growing up, where you grew up at, so we get some context of who you sure. are. And maybe a little bit about your parents. I grew up in Brownsville, Oregon, which is uh, the coolest town. It was the movie Stand By Me was filmed there. I actually got to see Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, I tried to get a stand-in. Uh, I wasn't cute enough or cool enough, I guess. My buddy did. So we grew up in this small town, and uh, I love the river, love to hang out, uh, camping, ride my motorcycle fast, uh, jumping off of things, and football. I played football. I wrestled. I wrestled around 190. I played fullback and, you know, took some good hard hits a number of times. Uh, I have a sister who's two years younger than I am. My brother's four years younger than I am. And uh, my parents uh, stayed together all the way until my mother passed away. My mom was my uh, best friend. I uh, can't recall a time I got mad at my mom hmm. and what was the coolest thing her name was Teresa, mother Teresa. mother Teresa. she was the reason why i i have the attitude i have today 
Ron, I just got to say real quick, you and I have a real similar story. I grew up playing football. I wrestled, riding my motorcycle fast. Uh, I have two daughters. You have two daughters. <laughs> my mom was certainly a, my biggest fan. And uh, my mom passed away, and my dad has been a widow for seven years. How long has your dad been a widow? When did your mom pass away? My mom passed away in 2008. How old was your mom? 66. My mom was 66. Hmm. That's really interesting. So how's your dad? We're, we're like brothers in another universe, but we're, we're we met up, right? My dad's good. He he got remarried to okay. someone who was a widow also, and uh, my dad was he he was just not good alone. Yeah, he's just kind of guy that just it was so sad to see him after that. But uh, yeah, I, I my mom was there all the way through. Anytime I'd get into a situation, uh, she was really a, against me just taking off at 20 years old in a wheelchair to go to college down in San Diego because <laughs> I need 24-hour care. I mean, you're looking right. at me. You said something about how how we think. I'm paral- I say I'm paralyzed from the neck down. Can't move my muscles. I can't wiggle my toes. Can't use my fingers. Can't scratch uh, my itch, can't comb my hair, shave my face. We could just keep going on the cans. So basically, I'm 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 buried in what I say in a block of concrete up to my neck, and I'm it's stuck. It's hard. I'm stuck inside that block. I try to wiggle my fingers. I feel like I can, but they don't move. And so I'm paralyzed from the neck down. What's your excuse? Yeah, dude, I love that. Paralyzed from the neck up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it, but I think most people, I've been there where I've been paralyzed from the neck up. Yeah. We we physically see that you're, you can't move, right? Just from the, you're, you're, you can, you can move your head, but your body doesn't move. But then what is the rest of our excuses? And so I think you have to, you're, you're definitely more aware of how people get stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you were pretty active as a kid growing up till the age of 18. Yep. What happened, where were you when this event happened? Tell us that story. Well, I'd taken a spring vacation trip to Huntington Beach, California, my senior year on uh, spring break. And I was excited. It was jazz. I was 17. I had my little Baja bug that I tricked out. I'd put my whole life in that Baja bug you know, to give it to my brother later on, right? Because probably what shouldn't have been my God. Anyways, I, I'm driving my Baja bug down the freeway. I got my brother sitting over in, in the seat beside me, and I'm just mad because my parents made me take a 13-year-old kid with me to Southern California. That's some serious reckon of my style, because I'm 17, he's 13. He weighs 100 pounds, you know, I'm 200 pounds. And he's kind of obnoxious. Well, so am I, but you know what I mean? So I remember thinking, you're going to hate this trip. They made me take him because, I don't know, let's keep an eye on me. <laughs> so we're driving. I, I don't talk to him until we get to Bakersfield, which is a long ways. And all of a sudden I got bored and said to my brother, hey, uh, so what's happening in your life? And he, he began to tell me, and I, I thought, wow. Come, he never told me about this. He was actually struggling. He was got friends that were trying to get him to do some things that 
shouldn't do. And, you know, I said, uh, wow, didn't you, why didn't you talk to me? And he goes, you're so proud and arrogant and stuck on yourself. You don't care about me. You know, you don't care about me. And at that point, it was just my brother and I in the car. I realized that I didn't even know my brother. I didn't know my brother. So I put my hand over there. I, I said, shake my hand. He goes, what's that for? And I said, and I remember it because that was the last time I shook somebody's hand. And I, I can remember that warm, firm squeeze, brother to brother. And I said, I'm going to be there for you from now on. I'm your big brother. He looked up. He goes, I'm going to be there for you too, Ron. I said, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. I'm the big brother. It won't be needing you, but I'll help you, right? So the next day, he saves my life. Wow. Tell us that story. So you're in Huntington Beach, California. You're with your little brother that you, you desperately did not want. God knew exactly what you needed. There you go. So so real quick, were you were you a believer before breaking your neck? I definitely was. Uh, my dad became a Christian when I was about 16. And that conversion in his life was an amazing thing because my dad was pretty obnoxious sometimes and just not good to my mom sometimes. And you know, as I was growing up, so he, he just decided before they split up and the world breaks apart, he's going to go to church. So he went to this little Methodist church, and the lady, a Sunday school teacher, happened to teach the word. You know, they're going through gospels, and and uh, she told him how to get saved. So he got saved, and I thought he'd gone weird because it's like, you know, I had no idea what happened to my dad. And I watched him because I was, I've seen him try to change in the past, but all of a sudden he's just like the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's <laughs> reading scripture. He's, and then he took me on a hunting trip, and I was trying to avoid him because all he was doing was quoting scripture at me. And it was there on the hunting trip on the top of the mountain, I just came to a realization that uh, Christ was real and I needed him. Man, that's a great story with your dad. Even though you've lost your dad since then, I bet you treasure well, that no, moment. My, my dad. I'm sorry, your mom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Not your dad, your mom. Okay, but your relationship. So that, that solidified my faith. I, I became very interested in just reading the scriptures, getting to know Jesus if I'm going to be, be Christ like, right? And then I signed up for this Teen Missions International. Uh, deal where to take teens and bring them into other countries to do you know hard hat kind of thing and get dirty for god you know kind of trip and i learned a lot about serving other people and it really in my heart i wanted to be that but then i got back home got into football senior year looking good benching 300 and I had my ego, and there I was standing on the beach that morning. My brother had laid down on his towel. And I looked out over the waves, and here come a big shore-breaking wave. And I thought, I'm just going to dive into it, cut that wave. And I did. And as I'm going into it, it's flushing over. And I dove into a waterfall, millions of gallons of water. Took me and just shoved my head right in the sandbar. 
So the sandbar is down and my body came crash and my head hits my shoulder blades and I heard a snap and instantly my body just, I felt it shut off and it became tingly. You know, like when you wake up and your arms tingling your hand or foot, you can't walk on it. You know, that's the feeling everywhere from my neck down and I'm floating out to sea and I'm talking to God. <laughs> I bet you are. And I said, give me another chance. There's three things I didn't do. Number one, I didn't tell my brother I loved him. I had that moment on the beach. I had that moment in my car. I felt like I should tell my brother I love him, but I didn't. Number two, you didn't hug your mother goodbye because you're arrogant. You're walking away because they made you take your brother who's going to save your life. And I said, see your mom, gave her the head nod. And didn't hug my mom. And now I'm floating out at sea and I can't move my arms. And I never did get the chance to hug my mom, you know, because my arms still don't work. And the third thing was you didn't really do anything good with yourself. You kind of hurt people and, and you just, you just messing around. You know, you, you didn't do what you felt God convicted you of doing. When you went on that mission trip, and I said, "God, give me another chance," and I'm I'm hyperventilating at this time. I can't hold my breath any longer. I had two minutes, and all of a sudden, I breathed in. My head popped out of the water. Poosh! And my brother was underneath me. I could hear him struggling, but I couldn't feel his fingers touch my flesh. I didn't even know it was there because I don't. I can't feel it if you like cut my hand off wouldn't know so he's thrusting me from the bottom he gets my head up just the same second i breathe in and the doctor said if you would have sucked up any salt water you would have died because it shut my lungs down i couldn't cough i still can't cough uh, i can't sneeze i don't have any abdominal muscles so i don't have no way to push i can't even puke now you might think that's a good thing but not when you want to puke <laughs> You can't be yeah. interesting. So yeah, I am next. I'm laying on the shore with my bro. He's holding my head in his hands, and my body's kind of floating. And he's, "What's the matter? What happened?" I said, "I think I broke my neck." But I had no idea that you lived after that. <laughs> I watched uh, too many western movies. They hang them high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the second I had to tell my brother that I loved him. And I did. I said, Mike, I, you know, I don't want you to live like I know you looked at me, but I don't want you to be, you need to just do what God wants, you know. And uh, I said, Mike, I love you. You've been the great brother. And uh, give mom a hug for me. And he says, you're not going to die. And he prayed for me, but I, in his prayer, I, I faded out. I passed out. I woke up the next day in the hospital and the nurses were in there. I had no idea where I was. I was on life support. I wasn't breathing on my own. I knew that. And then she said, you know what day it is? I said, ma'am, I don't know what, what happened. You know, you were in a diving accident and I was just fogged out because of the morphine and all that. So she says it's March 18th. And I just cried all them tough guy tears, hmm. just pouring out of my eyes. Because that was my 18th birthday. 
I woke up to this. That was one what day. What are you going to do, big man? It happened one day before your 18th birthday. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, the world's ahead of you. I mean, you'd obviously got to get through the medical part of this, right? And you got yourself there on a ventilator. You can't even speak. I was in traction. I had a, they call it a halo that was pulling 50 pounds of weight to pull, pull my vertebrae back in line. And I uh, spent a month just stressed out, just maxed out. And my parents came in. They flew there. It's a terrible thing for parents to have to get a call that says, you know, your son's in a bad accident. Okay, how about it? Well, he can't move from his neck down. The parents came in. My mom was crying. My dad walked over, and I just said, Dad, pray for me. I'm scared. Yeah. And uh, his prayer kind of soothed my heart. And they stayed there, and they prayed with me. They, they ended up praying with everybody in the ICU. And, you know, one of the nurses saw how much of a light was going on in there, just the God's light. And she wanted to know what my parents had. And so my dad told her how to you know find the lord Amen. and tons of things happened but after, you know, it took a long time to like get to a situation where they said we're gonna send you home ron and i'm like what i can't move i gotta be able to feed myself pick my own nose i you can't send me home i'm like a baby somebody else gotta wipe my hand in and some i got can you do anything? Get my arms at least? And there's nothing we can do. You're going to be a quadriplegic for the rest of your life. And I said, life? You call this life? And I went to a room with some bad thoughts. You know, we all get into a state of depression. We don't have to stay there. We shouldn't. And this was taking me down. I mean, this was a huge loss for an athlete. I lost my girlfriend, you know, because that was all physical and didn't have anything. And, you know, I'm just laying there paralyzed from the neck down thinking, I'm going to go home. My parents are going to be doing all this. I just want to die. And, you know, in the middle of the night, crying out loud, cussing and mad at God, I uh, heard a voice say my name. It was the freakiest thing, you know. I, I didn't see anybody come in. Uh, the machines were making the noise, and and all of a sudden, I heard it again. Ron. It was coming from my roommate, Jimmy. He was eight years old. He didn't want to wear his helmet when he rode his bike. He took it off, you know. When Mom wasn't watching, it crashed, and he hit his head on a bumper of a car and became brain damaged. And he was curled up in a fetal position. As a matter of fact, when they brought him in, I said, I don't want him in here. I don't want to look at that. I'm having a hard enough time, you know, look at that like he's not some person. And no one heard him speak because, he, you know, he just couldn't. And he was moaning. And anyway, he heard me saying, I want to die. And he goes, Ron. I said, Jimmy, is that you? Ron, I'm like sniffing up my tears of pity. Here's an eight-year-old kid that barely uses his mind. He won't use his body. 
and he's hearing me in desperation, and he he says, Ron, uh, I love you, Ron. Hmm. And I said, don't tell me that. You don't even know me. You can't love me. What do you? He'd been there two weeks listening, which I was not listening. I was too much about worry about my own situation, own struggle. Here he is, little guy, wanting to give me a good word. He gave me the word. And I said, God, do you still love me? Because I feel ripped off. I don't have any clue what I'm going to do with this. It's not natural to be paralyzed from your neck down. Everything I do, somebody has to help me do it. Yeah. If my glasses get crooked, I gotta wait till somebody comes and straightens them out. I gotta wait for somebody to show up to get me out of bed every morning. It takes two hours of process. And, and, you know, we need to have an attitude of gratitude. Amen. We need to think about the little things in life that really are meaningful that we just like bypass because we're too focused on stuff that doesn't really matter. And people, I would have to say that my faith sustained me through this. And I told Jimmy, thank you. And I got a new perspective. And that was it. My attitude changed. I said, I'm still Ron Hagee. I'm still able to love like Jimmy. I'm still able to do something. What can I do? And that was how I focused on it. Because the can'ts, holy cow. And I would try. I ended up getting in doom buggies. Hey, throw me in a doom buggy. Strap me down. Five-point strap. You know, and I hurt my neck probably. But, you know, I had so much fun. And I I even learned uh, a bunch of guys got me to drive a 68 Firebird with a bunch of chunks of equipment and electronics and I drove that car 101 miles an hour with my teeth. I ended up deciding to go to college, which I was a 2.0 football player. You know what that means? Not much. <laughs> so I go to college and I'm typing with a stick in my teeth. I'm looking like a chicken. I got a keyboard up here and, you know, I got up to about 20 words a minute, which is not bad. <laughs> And I ended up graduating from Christian Heritage College with my degree in counseling and then went on for a master's degree. And But my greatest accomplishment um, is my daughters. Just being a dad and having that love that's going to go beyond me. These are just things, you know, a diploma. I met a great lady. She was 80 eight years old, white-haired lady. She says, you want to write a book? I'm like, yeah, but I, I speak to teenagers. I do school assemblies. I need to write a cool book. She goes, honey, age is an attitude. I said, let's write a book. So Danita Dyer and I, um, I dictated. She penned it out, and I ended up with an autobiography of my life called uh, Never Give Up, Life is an Attitude. So real quick, is that the book that you brought here today? Yeah, brought you one. Dude, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Never Give Up. It's, Picture of Ron it's in just the front. my story. 
And, uh, yeah, you can get my stuff. I've got two websites, ronhagey.com and my last name's H-E-A-G-Y or rollonron.com. Roll on Ron. And, uh, yeah, my mom, she saw me sitting around bored to tears. She goes, well, why don't you do something? So I sit around all day. I'm like, what do you want me to do? She goes, well, why don't you paint? I'm like, that's rude. Paint the house? How can I do that? She goes, no, why don't you try to paint with a paintbrush in your teeth? I said, I don't, I'm not an artist. And she goes, well, you may not be able to play football anymore. So why don't you try? It'll give you something to do. And you could do it on your own. You get that brush in your teeth and then you can just create your own art. I go, I don't think so. She goes, I just read a book about Johnny Erickson Tata and she paints with her teeth. And I'm like, well, that's Johnny and I'm Ronnie and I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not painting. Not going to do it. No. So, what do you think? So, I was, uh, as I was looking on your ronhagey.com website, and because uh, I want to look at your, some of your pictures that you've painted, it's like, how on earth? I mean, I've got arms that actually work, and I can't paint like you do <laughs> with your teeth. It's not even possible. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was the flag of the mountains with the eagle flying, mm. but there's many good ones, like the one I'm looking at here is, is the three crosses. I can only see... Mm-hmm. Part of two, but I can see the one, the one that really matters in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's some words what, down what, what, in there. What's that mean to you? It says I love you. It's hard to find. There's an I and a love and a you. Interesting. Well, I mean, Christ paid the price. Uh, he was a great example of how to live a a life, and he r- told his disciples the greatest thing is to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself and when he he left that cross empty and he left the tomb empty and he was you know restored to life he resurrected from the dead and uh, uh they still haven't proven that wrong you know there's more evidence that he was here they know that and he disappeared yep so he's in the clouds he's gone so you've done, you've got a, uh, an MBA. What was the MBA in? I know your counseling was your undergrad, but what was your MBA? Well, I, uh, uh, I got a, a MSW, a master's in social work. Okay. So, yeah, I thought I was going to go and be a high school counselor and do all this cool stuff. And uh, I got home from San Diego, back to Oregon, did 20 interviews. No one would hire me. And I thought, what in the world? I worked so hard for eight years with a stick in my teeth, and I just need a break. I want to get off of government cheese and welfare and, you know, better known as farewell. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just couldn't find a job, and I was married. I had just gotten married, and uh, which is another whole great story. Um actually been married three times okay don't hold me you know i figure this the lady gave me a massage one day she goes you ever had any relationships because i would think somebody who's in a wheelchair would probably lose the desire for love and i said well i've been married three times and she goes good for you you didn't give up never give up on love exactly and I, I've, you know, I've had three wonderful relationships and, you know, I, I didn't believe in divorce, but you know, it happens. Life happens, right? And now, you know, I'm single and I'm working for 
the Lord, you know, I got a, a nice gal that likes me and uh, it's a cool thing to to have people that love you yeah. in spite of all this. It's a huge thing and yeah. God is good. And so that love obviously transpired in wanting to have, be a dad. I told my mom when we were looking shortly after my accident, we were down in the baby department because she wanted to take me somewhere happy in the hospital. I said, well, that's got to be babies. So we went down there. Here's my ma standing there beside me, and I'm looking in at all these babies, and all of a sudden I just started crying. And she saw me. I tried to hide it. <laughs> she goes, what's the matter? I go, well, I thought about being a dad and making a grandbaby for you someday, but now this is never going to happen for me. And she goes, oh, gives me a big old hug, My holds my head against the chest. She's like, Ronnie, I believe you're going to have a you're going to father a child someday. 25 years later, I'd, I'd adopted uh, my daughter, Ronnie, okay. from a girl who was 16. That's a whole nother story. That's all in the book. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, then I got married to Gracie's mom. And six months into the marriage, she got really sick. And she came back from the doctor crying. I'm like, this is not good. I go, what's the matter? She goes, I'll talk to you later. I'm like, talk now? You always want to talk. I learned, I've learned a lot with ladies because I got two daughters, all my caregivers, five caregivers and ladies, you know. But I, I know that when they want to talk, that's when you say, "Okay, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. Listen. <laughs> but if they don't want to talk, don't force them. So I had to wait it out to see what the problem was. Anyway, I came home. There's flowers on my desk. She's dying buying me flowers it's freaking me out and i looked in the flowers and there was this thermometer looking thing and uh, i go what's that she goes look a little closer and it was a pregnancy tester i go are you pregnant she goes that's why i've been barfing every day sicker than the dog and i go well how did you do that and she goes well you did it well, doctors said I didn't, I didn't have any swimmers. <laughs> she goes, you must have had one swimmer. And uh, so, I mean, it works. It's it's not one of those muscular things. People think, you know, that private part thing is a muscle. It's not. It's blood flow, and yeah. my blood still flows. So just so all the people out there are wondering. You know, I, I speak, yeah. and 90-year-old ladies come up going, now, how did that kid thing work? Yeah, yeah. You know, explain that one. You're paralyzed from the neck now. <laughs> Just imagination. Yeah. Anyways, so, yeah, went and saw the ultrasound. I, I was not a believer until I, I went to the ultrasound. And it was like at six weeks, six weeks, they go, you want to hear it? And I'm like, you're burping or what? You know, I didn't know anything about it. No, you could hear the heart. It was oh. like, oh, really? So they flicked the monitor on. It's like, swish, swish, swish. And I just started bawling like, oh. Change your life. It was like, so her name's Gracie, and she's 17, going on 18. Wow. She's going to change the world. So is Ronnie. Amen. Our oldest daughter just got a gig with Nike, and uh, she, 
when she was in high school, she did not want me to come speak at her school. And I, I tried to honor that. And I said, unfortunately, you're going to rip a whole bunch of kids off a good story. She goes, ah, yeah, but I just don't want to know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so here she gets a job and she's working with 50 people. She invites dad up to do a little talk. So now I'm cool. Yeah, you're cool. But she, and I got to go to Nike. Should, I've never been there. Okay. There it is. But in her own time, she she allowed you that opportunity to do that. Hey, you shared with me a story a couple days ago. You know, talking about when you went to the doctor. The doctor said you would only live a certain amount of time. Now you've gone beyond that. Tell us a little bit about that story. I'd like to you tell the yeah. I, I actually went to do a speech, and there was quite a group there of some medical pe- individuals and. Afterwards, uh, this guy came up and introduced himself and said that he was a neurosurgeon and said he's been doing it for a while. And he said, how long have you been paralyzed? I said, 25 years. And he goes, uh, really? Hmm. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't be lying about it. He goes, well, the life expectancy for a high-level quadriplegic like you is 15 years max. I said, well, I'm glad I didn't meet you 10 years ago. I would have had to die. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And it's been 42 now. Now it's 42. Yes, sir. God's not, he's not done with you. He's got, he's got plans for Ron Hagee. No, in Acts 2024, 20, you know, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I don't finish the race, complete the task the Lord has given to me. But I have fallen on my face so many times. And, you know, I I had this dream of building a camp, a literal dream for kids with disabilities so that red, yellow, black, and white, and disabled could congregate and camp together because in no just one spot for a wheelchair, no one cat, you know, everything accessible. And I, I literally had a dream about it. And then I woke up and said, I need to build the dream. And... uh <laughs> Unfortunate thing, uh, I didn't have any money. But that camp uh, got built. And it's because I had a dream. And the Lord just said, you need to do this. And so I went from person to person with my little smiley face. And I said, you got a dollar? You got five dollars? I want to give you a smiley face. I need to build a camp. So, so real quick, about a million people later... What's that mean, you know? Ron has me a, a smiley face, a little red guy. Um, he looks like a little M&M guy, right? Yep. And so the story behind this is kind of what he's sharing right now. So keep going. I want to hear the rest of the story. So the one individual that really inspired me, I mean, Ke- Kevin is this, this guy's name. I spoke at his school with my bad attitude day. I was going to give up my speaking the public schools because it wasn't making any money my buddy says you know schools kids don't write checks you got to go where you can get some checks so you and i thought hmm, it's about time i just give this up so i go get my last speech and they wheel the kid in there in a wheelchair his head was strapped to his back uh headrest and he was tied into his chair pretty good so he wouldn't fall out his eyes were really blue he's cute as kid and he pushed him up and i go over there with my chin, I run right. I drive my chair with my chin, 
And I go, hey, my name's Ron Hagee. What's your name? Well, he didn't move his mouth. And his nurse said, his name's Kevin. I go, hey, Kevin, how old are you? And his nurse said, he's 13. And I go, hey, Kevin, what happened to you? His nurse says he was born with this thing called uh, brittle bone or oh, floppy baby syndrome. And I go, well, how bad is it, Kevin? Do you see what I'm doing, though? The nurse is standing there talking for him. But I'm looking at the human. I'm talking to him. Hmm. I'm not going around him. And people need to do that. I have people come to – I'm at a restaurant. And they won't ask me what I want to order. They'll ask the person sitting next to me. And I'm like – I'm right here. I'm right here. So, anyways, I try to talk directly to the person. If they have somebody else talking for them or a speech computer, that's cool. But make sure you look at them. And Kevin, he, he thought I was his hero. And he wanted his nurse to tell me that, that he, you're my hero. And guess what? I showed up with a bad attitude. Guess what I was going to not do? Speak anymore. And here's this kid who loves to hear me talk. Huh. Anyways, Kevin's paralyzed from his nose down. So he's never tasted a Pepsi. He can't move his mouth. He can't swallow. He's never had a chocolate bar. He can only see with his eyes. And his head's stuck on there. And so his eyes are looking around, but everything else. And he drools because he doesn't have any control of his swallowing. And he doesn't like that at 13 years old. And... I asked Kevin, what's one thing you want to do? And he he didn't tell me. I go, hey, Mom, you know what's one thing Kevin wants to do? You want to go to Disneyland? I'll raise money. I don't raise money. She goes, one thing my son wishes he could do, he wishes he could smile. Hmm. Man, it just like blew my mind. It, and he doesn't understand that why people who can smile don't smile. And I thought, that, that's amazing. Isn't it true we always so want that's what that's where that smiley guy comes got from. It. Isn't it true we always want what we can't have, but when we have it, we absolutely take it for granted. Like It's totally true. And so for you, after you heard that, he can't smile, but you, you, you can still smile. Did you find yourself smiling more often after that? Every time I, he is my hero, he passed away a few years back. Um, he's the reason why I completed the camp, camp attitude. Where's this camp at? It's up above Sweet Home. Um, it's called Camp Attitude, Oregon. And I, I just had the vision if you build it, they will come. I didn't want to really want to run it. I got arrogant though. Here's a little story about it. You know, I got like, wow, puffed up. Look at this place. There's millions of dollars here, cabins on the river, two-mile trail that was in my dream. Even in my dream was a wheelchair-accessible treehouse. We had put that in That's there. Awesome. And, you know, this is a place you want to go. And, you know, I, I got arrogant. And then somebody, a few people wanted to make some changes, and I'm like, I'm not into that. And then I had uh, uh, some rough times in my relationship at that time. 
and uh, I it just went bad, and I ended up resigning from my own camp in 2004. Got it. And it felt like I was giving up my baby. Well, guess what? In 2005, Gracie was born. Hmm. And Camp Attitude is, is still rocking and rolling. It's there. The motto is, let's go someplace where we can walk and roll. Yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And you know something? I just met a kid the other day. I got invited over to somebody's house, and her daughter had visited, and she was there with her son who was in a wheelchair, and they were all ranting and raving about going to Camp Attitude and how it changed their life. And I was a guy that dreamed it up and traveled the nation and raised the money and hmm. – Got the plate, you know. It's not about me. That's what I had to realize. Sometimes you're like, "Wow, look at me! Look what I did!" And I rec recognize when people are coming around. It's like, "Look what I did over here." I'm paralyzed from the neck down. I didn't do anything, but I was taking all the credit. And I think that God says, "Well, I'll give you a chance to." But now somebody else is going to take care of this. And they did. Amen. And I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful. Ron, you've gone through a lot in life. You've had some, well, adversity, right? As we wrap up this podcast, I mean, I know we could probably talk for another hour, maybe your public speaking career. Maybe we'll have you back and do it again. But Sure. What's what's the takeaway here? What, what can you share with people that will impact them to be grateful to appreciate life, to smile, your daughter's life. Well, you just said it. I think number one for me would like A is how's your attitude? Your attitude is your perspective. You know, the Bible talks about if your eye causes you to stumble, to pluck it out. I don't think he's talking about that. It's, the, it's perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, you where you look, where your mindset is, that's where you're going to go. I meet all these kids and corporate executives that have everything but bad attitudes and their whole life is falling apart. See these kids with all kinds of potential in schools and they're committing suicide. It's not. It's their attitude. The attitude doesn't save you. I would say faith is a Faith is number two, because if you change your attitude and you look to faith, look to God, look to something that's outside of you, more powerful, that can assist you, and you got to believe the be. That's pretty good. I made that up just now. <laughs> I like that one. And that, that one uh, so you have to believe and trust God and believe in others and trust that they're going to show up and get you out of bed. Because everything I dream about doing, that's beyond eight hours of me working with uh, taking care of my physical needs. Yeah. So, and believing, and then C is 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 community. You know, just just like this, getting to know somebody else and telling each other about our dreams and our potential. Yeah. I like the the idea that we have a purpose. Because God made us, 
Amen. Special. Yeah. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Did this accident surprise God? I don't think so. Nope. The only thing that could stop this would be my attitude taking me down. And hey, there was a couple of times in my life I got really down after the accident. But it wasn't about this disability. I can do this until I die. It's the things, you know, like to go through as a man or you go through as a brother or sister. It's relationships. It's things that affect our lives. Losing a job, you know, losing something. And we all experience loss, but our minds should be set on the things above, okay? All this will burn. Amen. And Turn when I get to heaven, heaven, you won't see me for a while because I got some catching up to do. You, you see this white light. There he goes. Ron Hayes running and running. <laughs> That's awesome. This is good. Hey, so Ron, as we wrap up here, uh, two last things. How is your relationship with your dad, your sister, and your brother? Just take a quick minute there. And mm-hmm. then what's next for Ron Hagee? Well, my brother's uh, my best friend. He still lives in the area. We get together once in a while. Um, very encouraging Christian man. And my father is... I just spent Sunday watching football with him and, you know, he's 82 and, but he'll show up if I call him and come in. And if I say, dad, I messed my pants, crap myself, it'd be over to clean me up and never makes me feel bad. So all, all through my life, my dad, tough guy was my best caregiver. And, uh, that's just cool. That says a lot about him and his character. Yeah. And he's just kept the faith. He's been steady, you know, through all the stuff I've gone through. He's just he's the rock, you know, in my life. And then just people that I meet, caregivers, you know, that help me, that are with me, and working with them. And my daughter's trying to spend time with them. You know, it's just and then to think at the same time, who's going to put me to bed tonight? Hmm. So, you know, those little luxuries that everybody else gets to have, like, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay. Well, you wouldn't want me to do that now, but I have no control. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I pooped on the Packers. Let's end with that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I did. I spoke to the Packers and I dumped my drawers right up there on front. <laughs> So I got too excited and nervous, I guess. It happens. Yeah, it happens. So what's next for you, Ron? What do you what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I started out building my legacy, which was the camp. I'd started out before I had a job, just I'm gonna do what I would want to do if I was retired before I don't feel like I want to do it anymore, right? Yeah. So that was done. Um, hanging out with the girls for a little more and, and bringing myself back into a speaking environment, more school assemblies. I've got, a, I've got some gigs lined up. So just, I can speak to kids. I can do gymnasium talks. I'm, you know, certified as a speaker and then just 
being there for others and just helping them in the daily life. Hmm. Um, I've done, I've traveled, you know, I, I don't feel like there's any one thing that I haven't done that I wanted to do. Yeah. I'm open. Yeah. I'm open. That's how I feel. I'm open to God. I don't want to step out or roll out in front of him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to roll over God's toes. Yeah. That's a good way to wrap up this talk and really that you're just trusting the Lord. You've done a lot in your life, uh, which is amazing. You've traveled all over the world. You're a speaker, and uh, we'll be praying for you as you continue mm. your journey okay. that you can get back in the schools and make a difference. So. Uh, we just thank you for uh, listening to our podcast today. We'd appreciate it if you would like and share our podcast with anybody you love, care about. And I hope that Ron's message uh, changes life for somebody. Could be many, but I know there's one person out there that will be changed by this. So, Ron, thanks for being on our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. And the, the, your staff here. Yeah, Chris yeah. is amazing. Chris he does is. all this. Uh, editing and stuff. He makes me look good, but that's a a, a full-time job. (laughs) Well, cool. We'll we'll let you go for now, but we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us, and uh, God bless you.